Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you on the wards and on call. It's Zara here today, and I'm here for part two of Ask a Fellow Spilling the Subspecial Tea, an episode designed for you guys as our special July feature all about how to choose a subspecialty. But if you're listening to this episode first, you're actually doing it wrong because this is part two. The part one was first. Part one included a general preamble by myself, Allison, and Leah. And then we got into sort of introducing our fellows, Dr. Jess, uh, Christina, and Hugh. Um, and we talked in, in general what their journey to choosing their subspecialty was. Um, so now part two, we're going to continue on with the hard-hitting questions, but please listen to part one first, and thank you for joining us on this ride. This episode is brought to you by MD Financial. We know that balancing the demands of life and saving for the future can be tricky. As residents ourselves, we get it, and we'd like to make it a little bit easier for you. That's why we've teamed up with MD Financial Management. They want to help you kickstart your investment savings so that you can achieve your financial goals. Set up a pre-authorized contribution plan to start investing and MD will match up to $250 to your investment account. Their easy-to-use digital investment platform offers low-fee customized portfolios designed to help achieve your specific financial goals. Ready to get started? Head to www.md.ca forward slash the internet work or call their client services team at 1-800-267-2332 and mention the internet work to learn more. Now on to our episode. Um, this may be a leading question, but Hugh, would, would you say that you've had more time to explore um, the type of personality you would have or the type or how you would act as an attending physician while you've been in fellowship? Have you had more space to to really think about that and kind of um, work with that and modify that at all? Um, I would say yes to a point. Um, I think part of that is there's a at least I noticed a sudden shift when you go from R3 to R4 in the way that attendings talk to you and, and deal with you. It's like before you were a resident and now you're a colleague, even though that hasn't quite mm-hmm. happened yet. Um, the um, ownership of a patient doesn't really change. Like if you, if you weren't invested in your patients as a resident, you're not going to suddenly have that as um, a fellow. Um, And I I think part of what the fellowship gives you the ability to do is, um, you know, once you get the trust from attendings, you can start doing things on your own and seeing what happens. Um, So our longitudinal clinic, we we review what we did, but we don't really... um, It's pretty rare that our attendings modify anything. So you can sort of see... Um, this is what I would do in real life. And, oh, that didn't work very well. I need to learn to be a bit more cautious um, with that antihypertensive. Um, and the the freedom is the biggest thing that allows you to explore that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Christina, what would you say is the best part of your subspecialty? Can I only choose one thing? <laughs> <laughs> you can give me three things if you'd like. Three? Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, the be- Yeah, okay. So the best parts. I mean, probably time for me is like the biggest thing uh, with, with geriatrics. I, I, 
I have, I'm given the time and I'm well compensated for the time um, to take like a very comprehensive um, assessment and history and get to know sort of the patient's values and preferences and then be able to use that to like inform um, my suggestions. And I think that's probably the thing that I like the most. That That's, the, that's definitely the number one thing. <laughs> um, I guess... I guess the other thing is that it's not um, it like I think a lot of our specialties are are because it's they're all like internal medicine based. Um, this is probably true for many specialties in internal medicine um, that they don't always follow an algorithm. I think that's why we find things very intellectually stimulating. But and it's probably true for GIM as well. But yeah, particularly in geriatric medicine because of sort of the overlapping syndromes of frailty and complex comorbidity and cognitive issues. Um, your management is very non-algorithmic and I love that, um, mm. apart from maybe osteoporosis, um, the actual suggestions that you give, uh, are very like holistic and non-algorithmic and very informed by the patient's values. And, and I really like that about geriatrics. Interesting. And it sounds like I, at the very beginning, you kind of established that that may be one of the things that sort of fills your batteries, as you said, being able to spend yes. that time with the patient and having a holistic approach to care. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Like, even if it's a long day, um, that's the thing that I think, like, I even, and even if you feel like you haven't really done that much, because sometimes when you think about it, like, in geriatric medicine, we don't often have, like, very good cures where we don't really have good cure for <laughs> dementia. We don't have good cures for frailty. So it's not like, you know, you're, you're necessarily getting rewards from that, but it's like the time that you spend with the patient, the relationships um, and the ability to sort of have small impacts on quality of life that are really meaningful to patients that mm -hmm. definitely fill my batteries for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, was lifestyle or amount of call that you had to do in, in fellowship, was that part of your decision-making process? You know what? I, like, it's a bonus, but I, it wasn't a huge factor for me. Like, I think you'd probably get a different answer asking some of my colleagues. I actually mm -hmm. didn't mind call at all in GIM, and I still don't. I still do, like... Um, like 24 hour GIM call for, for fun. Well, not for fun, for money now, <laughs> but um, I like, I think it's a nice bonus, but it shouldn't be the primary reason that you choose a specialty. That's for sure. You shouldn't choose a specialty for the lifestyle. And it's a great bonus that if I choose to do call and I can get paid for it, I can do it, but I don't have to do it. Right. Um, so I do, I do like that, but I, yeah, that's like a nice bonus. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that um, sometimes when, when people choose clinic based uh, specialties, and unfortunately we don't have anyone, uh, anyone here who does primarily uh, clinics, uh, sometimes lifestyle can, can play a factor for sure. And, and Jess and Hugh, did you think about that all when choosing uh, your subspecialty? Um, so I, um, I, it didn't really play a big um, role in um, my decision, to be honest. I think it potentially could for anyone interested in rest because there is a lot of flexibility in terms of how much um, sort of inpatient medicine versus how much outpatient you do. There, there are places where rest is an only outpatient subspecialty and there's places where it's um, a very busy inpatient service as well. So hmm. um, you, you do have a lot of flexibility with it. I like inpatient medicine a lot. Um, and so I knew that I wanted um, a subspecialty that was gonna be a little bit less sort of like 
lifestyle and have a good proportion of inpatient and acute medicine. Um, but I think in general, respirology is something where I, I guess I did consider that there is some flexibility within it and that if I ever didn't want to be doing um, busy inpatient medicine um, at any point or, or maybe doing less of it, then I would have the option to make my particular um, work schedule a little bit more outpatient heavy um, in favor of maybe a bit of a um, lifestyle um, adjustment. Um, and, and I think I like that that was a possibility. Interesting. One piece of advice that I got from a GI fellow actually was that she, she told me to think about the things that you like doing in hospital from a sort of overall perspective. So do you like inpatient medicine? Do you like clinics? Do you like procedures? And she said she liked all of them and that's why she had chosen GI. And to me, it sounds like respirology is very similar in that you get to do sort of all three things and you get your time with bronchoscopies in terms of uh, the procedures. Was that something that you, it sounds like you liked all three things and that's um, something that may have played into your decision? Yeah, yeah, no, I would say, I would say definitely. Um, like I really like inpatient medicine. At the time I hadn't done that much outpatient medicine because I just feel like most internal medicine programs, you don't do that much outpatient. Um, so I knew that at least the clinics mm -hmm. that I had done, I enjoyed. And to be honest, I, I have come to like clinics even more than I thought I did um, yeah. when I was an internal. So um, I've actually come to really enjoy outpatient medicine as well. And then, yeah, I think procedures were a big part. I, I like procedures. I like bronchoscopies. I like plural um, disease and putting in chest tubes and, and thoracentesis. And then um, I think another one was just critical care that I, I also really like critical care and rest mm, is one mm -hmm. of the specialties that is very easy um, to um, align with some critical care um, skills. So yeah, it just, it fell together really nicely for me. <laughs> I also found that I appreciated and enjoyed outpatient medicine a lot more in fellowship than I ever did in residency. And I think part of that might be the longitudinal aspect that we get in fellowship. Would you guys, would you guys attest to that? I see some nods. Yeah, I would say definitely. Okay. Um, and it, it's interesting that you, you say that about um, clinics and wards, because I actually have a friend who ended up uh, being, uh, being an ICU fellow, and we noticed that she was grumpy every day after clinic. And now with Christina's hindsight, I realized her, her batteries were not charged after clinic. So she realized she needed to be in a subspecialty that does not have any clinic and someone, some other person, maybe the opposite where their batteries are very charged after clinic and getting home a little bit earlier. So, so I think that would be uh, definitely something to consider when, when deciding. Um, but I did want to ask uh, Hugh, can you also, can you tell us what's your favorite part of, of GIM fellowship? Favorite part of GIM, specifically the fellowship, not the specialty? Oh, um, either. Um, I think the, the part that's been the most useful and unique has been the longitudinal clinic with ownership of your patients and the ability to make hopefully relatively minor mistakes um, and then, you know, see them again own up to it, come up with a new plan, um, and just have the ability to see what you like about that and what drives you absolutely up the wall. Um, I have to say with some of the some of the lifestyle discussions, I sometimes find clinic much more stressful than inpatient work. Um, you get results back at random times. There's a biopsy for someone you're covering for that has mm -hmm. lymphoma in it. You know, if you're on the inpatient stuff, the only things you need to follow up are the things from yesterday. And the patients are there and you see them whenever you see them. 
on the outpatient side, you're getting things at random times. You have to, you know, call people in the middle of the day with unexpected news. It's just, it's, it's good practice. Um, and it's certainly helped with training, but I don't know that it's the most, uh, you know, relaxed part of, of training. Um, I, I find outpatient work rewarding but stressful. Uh, that's an interesting perspective. And it's good to, for people to hear all sides of the coin too. Um, and I think different people and different personalities also uh, like that part or the outpatient part versus the inpatient part. And it is challenging, as Jeff said, that in core residency, at least in Canada, we don't have much outpatient exposure. Um, so perhaps uh, the overall advice from that could be for um, for residents to ask their subspecialty programs that they're applying to about the outpatient experiences that they may get in fellowship. Jess, I don't think you told us your favorite part about respirology. I might have talked about it already a little bit. I guess it, I think the overarching thing that I would say I like about respirology is the variety. Um, so in part, I think that's practice variety. So the combination of being able to do some inpatient, being able to do some outpatient, some procedures, some critical care if you so choose. Um, so I think that was definitely part of it. But I, I also think there's a lot of um, variety within respirology. Um, like Hugh had said earlier, um, I also like not having sort of like a set schedule, seeing the same thing. Often I, I like to have um, like a fair mix of um, presentations and sort of issues that are being managed. Um, so I feel like REST is almost a sort of like similar to GIM in that respect without being quite as broad because um, you have everything from sort of interstitial lung disease to airways to pleural disease and then um, sort of like interesting respiratory infections and things. So um, you can have like quite a variety of um, different issues you're managing even within one general respiratory clinic. Um, so I found that to be like a nice middle ground between between being as broad as GIM um, and but not so specific that you're kind of like running a clinic and every patient is kind of like similar. Like it's not mm -hmm. like a heart failure clinic or something where you're, you're mm -hmm. very similar issues patient to patient. So um, I found it to be a sort of a nice balance or in between. For sure. Um, and Christina, I have a question for you. I, I know that geriatrics is by no means a new um, subspecialty, but this is a bit of a, a unique question. So a Canadian boy asked any advice for those considering a newer subspecialty, i.e. palliative care via internal medicine. Uh, he was unsure how many IM programs have fellowships set up for that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to speak to that like as best I can. Um, obviously not being in, in palliative care, uh, the palliative care's subspecialty myself, but I know that one does exist at the University of Toronto. I know people that have gone through it and are currently in it. I also know that there's someone who started in it and is now switching into geriatrics and starting with us um, like next year. Um, so just a, a point. So, that so everyone should just uh, go into geriatrics. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I think it was just, yes, that too. But I was um, just a point that, you know, mm -hmm. how we talk about how you can, you know, switch you up. You can transfer. Oh, right. Yes. You can transfer sort of um, residencies. Uh, you can also apparently do that even among. Actually, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that you could transfer fellowships. And it might be because palliative care and geriatric medicine are very similar mm -hmm. in their training. So I think, um, and because we have two years, uh, sort of a lot of the rotations and skills were transferable. So it might not be the case for every subspecialty. Um, and I know this was sort of a, um, 
you know, I think they're made on a case by case basis, but in this case, um, this person did do that. Um, but I would just say that if anyone's interested, they should just like, like with anything, talk to someone who's recently gone through it and get a sense of. I totally agree. I think, you know, reach out to the programs, reach out to people, you know, who have gone through it. And, and if you don't, then ask the program administrator if they can give you their contact information. Um, a piece of advice that I had that really helped me was uh, a endocrinology fellow uh, who I was oddly an allergy clinic with. She told me um, that you have to love the bread and butter of whatever you're doing in fellowship. Um, and I, I was debating between a couple of different things. And um, ultimately I, I decided that I love seeing, you know, a basic CHF. I love seeing someone with falls. I love seeing just, you know, your general community acquired pneumonia. And so that's really what, uh, what motivated me and kind of what changed my perspective. Would you guys agree with that? Do you think that the bread and butter is really what, what, uh, I guess this is going to be the theme of the episode, uh, fills your batteries? I 100% agree. Hugh, what advice would you give to someone? So say someone came to you uh, tomorrow and they're they're just ending their PGY one year now and they say, I, I am interested in general internal medicine, uh, but I'm also thinking about a couple of other, um, uh, other subspecialties. What is a, a piece of advice that you may give them? Um, well, the, the big and fairly obvious one is uh, try it all out. That's a big thing that you should be doing in residency um, is trying different subspecialties and seeing what you enjoy. Uh, but something else I found useful was um, talking to attendings about what their life is like over the span of a year. Hmm. Um, because we mostly see them on inpatient service, but inpatient service may only make up a third of their overall time. And they spend a good chunk of their other time doing research or doing a clinic that they really, really love or with their kids or with their spouse or whoever. Um, and if you can compare that between different um, attendings from different specialties, you can get a sense of what people are doing, what is possible within a specialty and what you might want. That's great. So, so Hugh says talk to your attendings. Uh, Christina mentioned before to talk to near peers uh, and also attendings and program directors. Uh, Jess, is there anyone else that you talk to? Did you go to your friends at all for advice? Honestly, I, I don't think so much more advice. Like I think you use your friends a lot in residency to um, like because you're all kind of going through the same things. So you're talking about everyone's own approach to doing things and what people have experienced. So I think it's good from sort of an information sharing and in like supportive type of um, mm -hmm. standpoint. But I don't think I necessarily used it a lot in my actual sort of decision-making process because everyone's going through the same thing. Right, um, right. But I'm trying to think. So I would say the who I did speak to quite a bit, um, which it kind of, I guess kind of follows along the same line of attendings, but I feel like it's maybe a little bit less um, intimidating than going to your attendings, or you might have a little bit more sort of feel a bit more sort of freedom to to discuss things, um, because I feel like the, the people themselves might feel a little bit freedom to discuss things. Is um, going to some of the upper residents in um, mm -hmm. whatever fellowship or, or the fellows in that um, fellowship. Mm -hmm. So I had a few 
contacts that I had made in respirology who were the PGY4s and PGY5s at that point. Um, and they were able, I think, to be a little bit more sort of candid than maybe staff necessarily are able to be about like what the specialty is really like um, and who would be a good fit and what they like about it, what they don't like about it. And, and you, I feel like you maybe just get a little bit more of a um, unhindered sort of discussion. Um, so you can really feel, get a feel for what some things like and whether it's a good fit for you. And I think that's really important. And I guess, especially in this day and age, it, it may be harder to to seek out uh, those uh, those connections with COVID. Um, but uh, it sounds like we should uh, be really encouraging residents to, in whatever way they can, to try try to seek out those relationships, even if it is even if it does mean emailing uh, someone who who you've not met before from a different school. Um, so I feel like I could talk to you guys forever about about these decisions and about residency in general. Um, but to close us off, I want to know, um, I mean, now we're three weeks away from the end of your fellowships. And by the time this is released, uh, it'll be very, very close to, uh, to the end of your fellowship. So I, I'm curious as to where you guys are headed next. What is next in your journey? Uh, Jess, can you start us off? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so next in my journey. Um, so yeah, I'll be completing respirology in about two weeks. Um, and then I'm actually going to be starting a um, mycobacterial fellowship at the University of Toronto. So combination tuberculosis and non-tuberculous uh, mycobacterial infections. And um, that's the next step. Hopefully a job after that. <laughs> <laughs> that's very exciting. Congratulations. And, and Hugh, what's the next step for you? Um, I'm starting as a clinical scholar um, at Hamilton General Hospital and St. Joe's in Hamilton um, in about three and a half weeks. Excellent. And Christina? So I am also starting as a, it's called a clinical associate here at the University of Toronto, but same thing, I believe, as a clinical scholar. Um, and so I'll be doing that at uh, UHN Mount Sinai. Uh, and I will also be doing graduate work in clinical epidemiology, um, which I think goes back to the point that we need a lot of systems level change to help with our aging society. And so I've decided through my fellowship that sort of being a geriatrician that also has really good sort of research training to help answer those questions is, it's a, is a big need and something that I want to do. So more school. <laughs> That's excellent. I still feel, well, I am still uh, in a, a stage below you guys as a PGY4, and I feel like very proud of where you guys are. And and I, I hope I can get to, to that stage when I'm uh, a month uh, out of the end of my fellowship. Uh, so it was great catching up with you guys and uh, connecting with you. And I think we, we answered some really interesting, hard-hitting questions about that sort of angsty period in, uh, in PGY 1 or 2 where you're really trying to decide uh, your subspecialty of choice. So thank you so much for being part of this podcast. No problem. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you for listening to today's special July 2021 episode. The internet work was created by Allison Lay and co-developed by Zara Morali and Leah Karanopoulos. This episode was recorded and produced by Zara Morali. Music production by Laxman Zavantha Mohan. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review. We need some of those at whichever podcast platform you are currently using. 
Thanks for tuning in. Good luck with your next stage of training this July 1st, and we hope to see you again soon.